Today, I'm joined by guest co-host Benjamin Shalom Rodriguez. Ana Sheila will be back next week. Our guest is Boyle Heights born and raised, the Honorable Judge Lucy Armendariz, who talks to us about how she brings her whole self to work and how she leads with compassion. Her remarkable story and message is a great way to start 2022. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast, hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder, and me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Hello, Tamarindo amigos. I am so excited because today I have a special guest co-host. He is Benjamin Shalom Rodriguez. We're going to call him Ben. Ben, welcome to the show. Hello. It's so great to hear your voice. And you're no stranger to Tamarindo. It's been a couple years, but I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah, I've been a fan for like five years now since you had me on the podcast. <laughs> yes, it's so awesome. And I And since we first met... I've had a chance to see your stand-up. I had, I've had a chance to work out with you and, of course, <laughs> follow you on the internet, you know? <laughs> Honestly, the workout was my favorite because you were just so cut. And I was <laughs> like, what is happening right now? <laughs> it was super, super, super fun. Too bad that gym is a little too far from me. But I had a great time and I... I love it. And they should pay you because you recruited some folks there. You were totally about it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like that was so that was part of my contract. Like I wasn't paying for three months, but I had to go five days a week and I had to bring at least three people like every six yes. weeks. And I had to post every other day because I think I even asked you, I was like, hey, can I, can I go to selfie with you and post it? <laughs> I just thought you wanted to show off that you're hanging out with, with Brenda of Tamarindo. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I mean. I was like, my gym will love it if I show off. I'm hanging out with Brenda, the Brenda of Tamarindo. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So for our listeners that haven't had a chance to know you the way I have, what, like, well, first, let me tell you about Benjamin Shalom Rodriguez. He's a filmmaker. He's a comedian. He helps young filmmakers. Overall, awesome person, as you could tell. What have you been up to since the last time you've had a chance to chat with our Tamarindo listeners? Absolutely nothing at all. Just sleeping in my bed and um, no, just like the same, same old, just making a bunch of stuff. And um, I closed a deal with Sony to develop one of my half-hour animated shows together, which is yes, super exciting. And then I actually partnered with um, Black Magic Design and Black Magic Collective. Uh, they do all that camera equipment and stuff. Black Magic Design has like their own cameras and they um, have a nonprofit arm called Black Magic Collective. And I partnered with them uh, to create this fellowship where me and four other fellows are going to shoot our first features this summer. This is so cool. So I, all of this yeah. from your bed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of joking about that. Um, and I also, uh, fell in love, which is, I don't know. I know that sounds so cheesy, but I kind of also knew I would also be a huge cheese ball if, and when I had a partner again. And I, I love to see that. it. Thank you. Thank you. This is so sweet. Well, how did you meet? Like, tell me, like, uh, how's it going? Oh, my God. It's going so well. We met on Tinder. And um, I apparently was the first person he ever met off Tinder. And, yeah, we just, like, FaceTimed on a Saturday. I texted him that night being like, hey, I don't mean to come off too thirsty, but do you want to go for a walk tomorrow? And then we just like went on this like five hour walk and lunch. And then when he got out of my car, I just like uncontrollably started singing like, I'm in love, I'm in love. Oh my gosh. I know. This was, is so, this is so great. I know. I literally just started calling like all my friends being like, guys, I met the man I'm going to marry. Um, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. 
I, I don't I know love what the that. question was. I just, he literally, uh, this is how cheesy I am. I had a pitch meeting a few months ago and my boyfriend had like surprised me with flowers. So literally every meeting I had for like two or three days, I would make sure the flowers were in the background and people would ask me like, oh, those are great flowers. Where'd you get them? And then I would just talk at an exorbitant length about my boyfriend. This is so awesome. I I think that's great. Finding love during the pandemic, like, wow, you know, like, yeah. that, that, is, that is really awesome. And also being able to talk to someone for five hours in a hike, like you, you can't escape, right? You're there. You can't Thank you for calling it a hike. It was more of a walk. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. that's what I've been up to, just creating art and yeah, falling in love and being a cheese ball. So during this time, have you done any Zoom um, comedy? I've done like a few classes because I love taking writing classes and comedy classes, but haven't really done much stand-up. I will say, though, I did finish season two of Stone Breakup. So I'm the co-host of this digital series, or uh, the host of this digital series where we film people getting really high and then we do reenactments of it. Um, and so funny. So, yeah, so fi- funny. Yeah. We finished season two. So that was a lot of like, you know, you can imagine filming during a pandemic wasn't the easiest. Um, but yeah, we did that. So I love it. You've long been busy. Story short to late. I haven't done much stand up. Didn't, <laughs> didn't do much over zoom. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, you've been super busy. I'm so excited for all the projects that you've got going on. I'm going to tell you like about my 2022 so far. Um, One is that like, yeah, like I guess it's going, it's going okay. But let me tell you about um, the very first day, the my very first day of 2022, I got to do something super fun, which is to talk shit on national television. (laughs) (gasps) So fun. I I went on this on MSNBC and, and I got to talk about um, this movie that everybody's talking about. And I know we have a difference of opinion. So this, the movie is don't look up, which is, blown up i mean everybody's been streaming it superstar cast what did you think of this movie what did you think of don't look up girl i've already tweeted it so i need to hear what you thought of it first because no (laughs) but by the way i bet we will agree on many things but uh, tell me tell me what did you think well i mean here's the thing i get the message and i think we could all agree on the message the message is that yeah like our society's got issues primarily in that most people, you know, if we look at the whole society, a lot of people are not following critical news. They're really more concerned about celebrities and love and, and they don't, and they look down on state schools and, and you know, all of that. Yes. I understand what they're calling out. I just think that if, if the assignment was to do satire, this is not a good job. This is not a good job at satire. I don't think it's, I don't think it's smart. And I, I, I feel like it's a waste of great, talented actors. And, you know, if you really want another, an example of ridiculous satire that calls out the same things, I, I have to say, folks should watch Reno 911. I, they have a movie. They have a movie out all about like QAnon. That shit oh is funny. <laughs> I, I haven't watched it yet, but I used to watch Reno 911 back in the day. And it's yeah, 20 years plus, you know, that show's been oh my God. Yeah, when I was four years old. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, okay, what did you think of this? Don't look up. So I always evaluate movies first and foremost by like, was I entertained? Was I engaged? Was I interested? And I was more entertained, more engaged, more interested than I thought I would be. And at the end, I cried when Leo's character has that line that something like, we really had everything, didn't we? And it made me reflect a lot. Um, mm, yeah. I will say I also did fall into a hole after that was like, how much like pollution does Hollywood emit <laughs> in the universe? Because I don't think we talk mm. about enough about how we make... I think Hollywood loves to virtue signal, like be like, look at us, we're doing the right thing. When it's like, honestly, you didn't do this project, you probably would have gotten your point across even more. Um, 
So I don't know. Like, so that's what I mean. I, I was very entertained. I also, so as a piece of entertainment, I liked it. To your point about satire, I'm like, yeah, I don't think you quite create the most change by telling people they're idiots. And yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I'm not saying I necessarily felt a holier than thou attitude from it, but I do not begrudge anyone who says like, this is kind of bullshit. So, yeah. So I kind of feel like I don't disagree with you, but I, I, I was moved. All right. Well, I've got another um, current event that I'd like to bring up and, and just get your quick thoughts on it. So you probably, you might've heard, cause this also took over public spaces. So over 5 million people signed a petition seeking justice for a Colorado truck driver. His name is Rogel Aguilar Moderos. And here's the recap from CBS News. So Colorado Governor Jared Polis has commuted the sentence of truck driver Rogel Aguilar Moderos, Moderos to 10 years with eligibility of for parole in five. The 26-year-old was originally given a 110-year sentence for a 2019 crash that killed four people, but he had his sentence reduced after public outcry over Colorado's mandatory sentencing laws. A little bit further in the article, it says, the length of your 110th-year sentence is simply not commensurate with your actions nor with penalties handed down to others for similar crimes, Polis said in the letter. There is an urgency to remedy this unjust sentence and restore confidence in the uniformity and fairness of our criminal justice system. And consequently, I have chosen to commute your sentence now. So that's what the governor said when they re reduced this outrageous, outrageous sentence. And because it was so outrageous, and even the judge mentioned that like, hey, my hands are tied because of the mandatory minimums. I have to, I have to go with this. Um, it really, I think, caused a lot of us to reflect on horrible laws like mandatory minimums. I'm just curious, like, what, what did you hear about this? And what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, of course I heard about this. And I, I think our criminal justice system is crap. And I think I'm glad, like, I think it's the least they could do. I, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy for Rohel. I think that uh, it's hard. I mean, it, I agree with what happened. I just wish they had gone even further. We have laws, and in theory, these laws are supposed to be just. It shouldn't take the collective action of five million of us to call for a measure of justice. Yeah. So, one, yeah, totally, totally with you. Now, I bring that up because I'm so excited about the guests that we have today. It, um, I think many of us have are exposed to what happens in courtrooms by Hollywood and things that we see on television. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and we we don't know the, you know, what really happens. And also, the, I think this particular case also showed us that even if a, a, a judge who in many cases is elected to bring that measure of justice, to have some empathy, oftentimes they're, they're not as powerful as we think that they are because they are tied, their hands are tied by laws. They have to follow the law, right? Yeah. So um, oh, we, yeah, we, we have someone that's going to kind of tell us a little bit more about that and just someone that has a remarkable story. So our special guest today, our guest for this episode is Judge Lucy Arbendaris, who serves as the site judge at the East Los Angeles Courthouse presiding over criminal trials, not far from Boyle Heights, where she grew up. Motivated by her experiences as a foster child, Judge Lucy has a long history of involvement in her community, including mentoring Latinas and advocating for children in foster care. As a child, she bounced between homes before a long-term placement provided the stability and facilitated her pursuit of college education, law school, and career in public service. And let me tell you, she was just a delight to speak to. We talk about her favorite shows. We talk about how she brings her full self to work curly hair, hoop earrings, red lipstick, and how she brings her personal experience as someone that has been impacted by the justice system in so many ways to how she presides over cases. It's, it's really a remarkable story, and, and I can't wait for our listeners to have a chance to hear from Judge Lucy. Welcome to Tamarindo, Judge Lucy. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here and Happy New Year. So 
I thought that it would be really fun for our listeners to kind of get to know a little bit of who you are in a fun and informal way. So what we're going to do is I'm going to start with our rapid fire questions that we like to ask our guests. And here's a new one too. So first question is, what is your guilty pleasure TV show? I definitely, it's not a guilty pleasure because I'm so proud of it. And I love to tell everybody, I like to shout it at the rooftop every chance I get. Although I do have guilty pleasures for sure. Like I'm a housewife fan and I used to love, you know, the basketball. <laughs> but the one that I'm really into right now is Insecure with Issa Rae. I, I just love that show. It just reminds us of how representation matters. Um, I love all her authentic, real characters. Um you know, the characters are so relatable. I just love everything about it. The soundtrack it. is amazing. I find myself constantly, what is that, shazamming all those songs. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I love, like, the hairstyles that they show are just real authentic hairstyles. I love how she rocks her natural hair. I'm, I have long, curly hair. And I remember um, when I was a young attorney, I used to, like, slick my hair back and just try to look real professional and now, as a judge, I, I think it's important for um, people to see what, you know, representation matters for for the community to see that we're here. Um, so I have long curly hair. I rock my natural curls. I, I wear hoops yes. in the courtroom. And, you know, I, I wear my red lipstick. And I think that sort of stuff just wasn't heard of before. And I think shows like Insecure just reminds us that we can be our authentic selves. And um, I, I'm just a big fan. Huge fans. We we on Tamarindo are huge fans of Insecure. Uh, uh, are you all cut up? Did you watch the no, last episode? No, I'm not. And, and so don't tell me that. Oh I, my I'm gosh. Okay, okay. I'm almost You're done, in for and a I treat. know it's almost over. <laughs> and um, I, I haven't, but I, that's I've been definitely, you know, streaming it. But um, I don't want to finish it. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? You're savoring every minute. Okay. So now second question, we love to give matracas here in Tamarindo. So what is one thing you're celebrating? And it could be, you know, big, small, whatever it is, what are you celebrating? Well, it's funny that you asked that today because I um, preside here in the East LA courthouse um, and I'm presiding over what we call our collaborative courts, which is basically where we're giving um, these men and women a second chance at life. Sometimes it's a really successful program that um, gives them an opportunity to reduce their um, convictions and maybe sometime even completely expunge it from the record, which is, you know, it, it, it completely gets dismissed from the record. And um, it's super exciting to see these young women, men mostly, but they're young men and women. And obviously, you know, they're black and brown men and women, and they're usually have addiction problems, mental health problems, but we're here to help them. Um, we have good partners, mental health partners, substance abuse, um, rehab programs. And it's just really inspiring to see these men and women dig deep, right? And, and get that help that they need. Um, we connect them with um, jobs and housing, um, but to stay sober and stay out of jail is is their truly hard work. Um, they commit themselves to getting better. You know, we have to remember that addiction is a disease. They're sick. Um, and yeah. But they have also probably done something that has hurt others. Um, and they need to be held accountable for their actions. But we need to do it in a more compassionate and empathetic way. Um, but to witness them do that hard work, get sober. Um, once they figure out that they need that help and they're ready to do that work and, and seeing that transformation, um, it's really inspiring. And today we had a great graduation session where we were just celebrating a lot of, um, really they deserve all the credit in the word of, it's not easy to get um, clean and sober and stay clean and sober. And it's truly a testament to see what happens when we as a society, um, as a system, right, the criminal justice system, but as a society, we say we want to open doors rather than literally close the door and throw away the key um, with people who yeah. struggle with substance abuse. Um, usually it's not just substance abuse. It's a dual diagnosis of mental health issues and substance abuse. Um, so I really want to celebrate that with you all today and just remind you that the there is help for people that want it, um, but it's 
it's truly hard to get them to that help when they're ready to get that help. Um, But to witness firsthand how they come in, um, usually really strung out. They come at a really low point in their life. And to see them completely turn their life around, it's a true privilege to witness it um, and just be a small part of that. And today was a great celebration. And I'm still celebrating that today. That's wonderful. Yes. So matraca to second chances and to a compassionate approach to mental health and addiction. Okay. So now what goes in la basura? What goes in la basura? What is one thing you're just done with? And again, could be big, big, small, whatever it is. What goes in la basura? Oh, it's, it's an old one, but I, I see it so much that it has to stay in la basura. It's women who put negativity out in the world. Um, the women who don't support other women, um, I think to see, to witness that sometimes and to see it, it's always belongs in the basura. It should never be condoned. I think we should um, try to, when you see, when you admire something about another woman, tell her, get into that habit of lifting her up. Um, it's truly life-changing what it does for you and and you never know whose life you're going to change. So I would say, in the basura, women who don't help other women. Yes, definitely. You're so busy, you don't even have time to finish Insecure. So how do you stay grounded with all the work that you've got to do? How do you stay grounded? Where do you get your calma? First of all, I have to say, you can't, don't knock it till you try it. And and some people call it meditation, but I don't know how to meditate because I'm a horrible meditator. I overthink everything. <laughs> um, it's hard for my brain to slow down until like I, when I meditate, I start thinking of other things. Um, but for me, exercising really early, yes, 5.30, um, it just clears my head. And I don't do it to, you know, for weight loss, because if everybody knows it's about what you eat, but getting up that early just for me time and it clears my head, it starts my mind. So, you know, it starts my day off on the right path. If, um, if I ever miss a day, I, I can really tell it affects the whole day. And I just take that chance to really think about what big decisions I'm going to make that day, um, try to go over things I want to get accomplished that day. Um, and it's really one of my biggest secrets. I, it's not easy for sure. And I hate it every day. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> want to get up. But um if you just get up and do it, even if you're half asleep, um, it it's a game changer. And I feel like people who think I'm crazy, it's just until you try it um, and it's hard, but it's definitely what gives me my calm. I can't um, get by without it. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% an early riser. And one of the things that I started doing is my second stint of doing it is I've been teaching a workout class outside and I do it at seven in the morning and it's wild how many people that's a turnoff like seven is too early and to yeah, me that's kind of late I couldn't even go to seven. that's too late like it has to be 5 30 um that's my me time and and again if you haven't tried it like it does oh seven is too early and I tell my friends because I used to not do this I've been doing it now for about three years but I used to be that person you get up and you scroll through your phone for 30 minutes when you're um, in bed, right? And it's, it's like, don't do yeah. that. Put that tread, put that not in your room. If you have a treadmill at home, put in the other room in the treadmill uh, and don't get, mm-hmm. you know, get up um, and do something else besides look at your phone because you can easily look through your phone in 30 minutes, an hour later, and you're still, you know, answering emails or texts or scrolling through social media, which you could have done um, by doing some sort of mind clearing in a, in an exercise type of way. Yep. Some movement. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for those, those fun, fun questions. It's always such a great way to get to know our guests and for our listeners to get to know you. So uh, jumping in a little bit more into getting to know you, I mean, you have such a remarkable story from entering the foster care system at a young age to now serving as a judge at the East Los Angeles courthouse and and an awesome judge that cares about representation, that brings her hoop earrings, that has her curly hair. I absolutely love that. So I would love folks to know, how did your experience growing up motivate you to dedicate yourself to this career in public service? Well, I think it'll be important to, I guess, tell you more of my story because I, I sit here in East LA. Um, I'm the, I not only sit here, but I'm the site judge here, which is basically the 
the Mera Mera Yug here. Um, but I also attended yes. um, local public schools here. I went to Roosevelt High School. Um, for those of you who know East LA, I went to Hollenbach Middle School. Um, so I was born and raised here. And for those of you who are familiar with East LA, you know it could be a rough neighborhood. But it's also a very special place to me. And But like you said, childhood for me was hardly idyllic. When I was eight years old, my mother was sentenced to life in prison. And she's still in prison today. And I always remind young people that, you know, a life sentence is that for the rest of your life. She's almost an 80-year-old woman still serving her life sentence. Um, and I say that because sometimes people don't realize that when you make the wrong choices in your life, the consequences of those actions sometimes follow you for for a long time. Um, and I sit here with the full understanding that organizations and think people that help other people that are about empowering other people that mentor other people, those sort of people and organizations literally saved my life, which is why I, you know, agreed to talk to you because I feel like the, the work that you guys do at Tamarindo is about, you know, giving advice, helping other everybody, let's get ahead together. And, um, and that's what I'm about because I feel like that's what saved me. And, my mom was sentenced to life in prison for selling large quantities of illegal drugs. I always say she was like a, a narcotraficante back in the days. I mean, this was, she's been there for about 50 years, right? So, oh no, wow. less than that, but it, it was a long time. And I remember being a kid and our home was raided regularly by police dress and full SWAT gear. Um, they would crash through the door and handcuff everyone inside the room including me. I remember um, being terrified and everything being chaotic. And I remember the door being rammed open when I was watching TV and every piece of furniture being tossed upside down. And so I was placed in foster care since I, from age eight until I aged out at 18. And back then, when you were in foster care, they just kicked you out on your 18th birthday. And um, I remember having caseworkers growing up who really seemed to worry and even care about me. But even at that age, I knew they were too overwhelmed with all the cases that they have. And I remember the judge that ordered my placement into foster care. I remember he couldn't pronounce my last name. Um, I remember he seemed super busy. And I remember wondering if he knew I was there and that I was eight years old. Um, and that's one of the reasons that as a judge today, I always try to look everyone in the eye and even though I don't have a lot of time with them, because I have hundreds of cases every day, I make sure everyone feels like they had their day in court, that they were heard and yeah. seen and treated with dignity and respect. Um, and that, that's where I, I don't know if it was like a conscious decision, you know, but I've always had that desire to um, help the public. And I've always had a career in public service, mostly because of I do feel like our life experiences shape you know, who we become and what we eventually decide to do with our lives. That is a, such a remarkable story. It's amazing just to think of all that you've overcome. And I imagine that you are, um, there's not many like you, right? You're not, the other judges may not have the the experience that you have and that um, that you can bring to that room and that personal touch that, and, and, and like you mentioned, kind of fully understanding the entire scope of the system and, and the ripple effects of what could happen with choices, but also systems and, and overstacked systems. And so I just think it's just, we're so grateful that you took some time to talk to us about your, your story and that you are who you are because you, you do make a huge impact in just being able to bring that to everything that you do, including a lot of mentorship that I know that you do and, and a lot of volunteering that you do to uplift other women. So we're just so grateful to have you here. I guess before I move on from that part, I, like why law? Like what inspired you to get into law school and then to think about, did you ever imagine that you would be a judge? No, not at all. And I always tell that to young kids too, because I was always so jealous of the people who knew exactly what they were going to do, even, you know, even in undergrad or in law school. Like I didn't even know what kind of law I was going to practice. I had no clue what my major was going to be in undergrad. And so I always tell the kids who don't know, like, it's okay. It's okay not to know. Um, what's not okay is to stop, right? Like, you'll you're, you'll figure it out. Your life will, will take a path, but you can't stop just because you don't know. Um, 
because you kind of know that. And I always feel like I used to hate when people like, well, what's your passion? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not passionate about anything. You know, but so I tell people like, well, figure out what gets you mad, what pisses you off, because I feel like that's what um, sometimes your passion is. Right. Like I remember thinking I hated unfairness and feeling like there was uh, David and Goliath in society. And, and I, you know, I was a good kid for the most part as I, as I went through the foster care system and I got into UCLA um, and that's a whole other story, but at UCLA um, <laughs> I was pretty involved. You know, I was a hunger striker for Chicano studies. I was um, pretty politically active and that's where um, I started learning about the legacies of racism, right? And how they impact our current structures. And I remember being um, astonished, even though I felt like people always say you didn't go away to um, undergrad, but I mean, UCLA, it's only about 10 miles, 15 miles away from Boyle Heights where I went to high school, but it was a whole other part of the globe, right? It, it was the, yeah. the amount of wealth was something I couldn't comprehend. And it was at UCLA that I started thinking of law school and um, how to figure out how these structures impact. Um, and, I, and I do feel like a lot of it is rooted in laws that we have just said, well, that's the law. And, right. um, and I wanted to learn more about that. Amazing. Yes, it's it's so true. I think there's a, you know, we love to talk about Tamarindo about, you know, it definitely it is about self-improvement and getting the right support and all of that. But we also like to remind folks how there's systemic systemic forces here and often it's rooted in law. So um, I definitely can can see how your personal experience and then learning about races, the, 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 you know, the racist forces behind a lot of policy, how that could be a motivator to, to a pursuit of, to a, to pursuing a career in law and now as a judge. So um, thank you for telling us that story. I'm sure many listeners can relate to feeling like a completely different world, even though it's just a few miles away, because that's, that's how our neighborhoods are structured, right? There's so much there's so much disparity in every single neighborhood in every single major city that it's definitely a relatable experience to feel like you're in another planet when you're just a few miles Absolutely, away. Absolutely, but I do feel like because there is systems in place, but I want to make sure that people don't take away that, well, there's systems and so there's nothing we could do about it. Because I often go speak to kids in foster care and, and even other like underprivileged kids, and I, I tell them that we're all dealt to deck of cards at birth, right? And some of us draw a crappy hand and it's just the luck of the draw. It's unfair. There's no um, secret to that. There, you, We just drew a crappy hand. <laughs> and um, some kids start out with good cards. They're born into wealth and access to relatives and friends and they have power and prestige, right? And other kids, they're abused as children. They lose their parents to violence. They're brought to this country by parents with very few opportunities and they just want a safe corner in the world. Those kids have a much weaker hand to play, but we still have to play the hand we're dealt. Um, there is systems in place. It doesn't mean that we stop trying and that we don't play the card that we're dealt to the best of our ability. And we're all deal with some degree of privilege. Um, if you're in this country, you have some privilege and and just play that hand you're dealt while still remaining true to your values. Um, I just wanted to add that because sometimes I feel like, well, there's systems in yeah. place and I, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't keep going. No, I appreciate that. No, that's a good reminder that even though there are lots of things that are unfair, <laughs> obviously we gotta we gotta hold on to hope, and we we people like you and and so many others are doing so much to change the world for the better. Like we are not powerless. Yes, we are. Like you mentioned, there's the the cards may be stacked stacked against us, but it doesn't mean that we're not powerless. We all have a responsibility to each other to help our neighbors, and that's kind of what. 
that is the whole point, right? <laughs> that is the whole point of, of being able to share our stories and, and why we're so grateful that you're sharing your story here today. Now, I, it's a rare opportunity that folks get to speak to a judge. And if they are, it's usually because they're, it's not the best day in their life. Right? <laughs> it's not an, an, an informal, fun conversation like we're having now. And I, you know, I consider myself to be really plugged into politics, but even still, every time that it's time to vote for a judge, I feel like, um, I'm always like, I, 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 there's not enough information about who the judges are. And sometimes I leave it blank, to, to be honest, because I'd just rather not rather leave it blank than leave, make a bad choice. Luckily, I voted for you and I didn't, I had, I had the right information. I knew to vote for you. But I would love for listeners to know, um, I'm sure they can also relate to that experience of not really truly knowing the power that judges hold and why it's important to pay attention to um, who you vote for when it comes to judges. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, how, w- how would we explain that to folks that are like me that sometimes feel overwhelmed and skip over who they want to select yeah, for I, judges? Absolutely. And I was guilty of that, too. And I feel like that is um, one of the most important votes that we cast. And and it's I was guilty of that, too, of I don't know the woman or I don't know. She sounds Latina and or Latino. And sometimes they're not. Um, people that align with your values. And, and I would urge you to um, do your research on that. And if, if it takes too long, look at organizations and people that hold similar beliefs to you um, and see who they endorse. Because for the most part, all judges who are on the ballot go through some endorsement process. If you're a Democrat, look who the Democratic Party is endorsing. If you're a Republican, they'll endorse. If you're a um, an environmentalist, the Sierra Club will endorse. I, if you follow me on Instagram, Judge Lucy 2018, I do a pick who I think is um, aligns with my values. And so, por eso estamos como estamos is what I say is because we don't um, <laughs> do our research and, and judges do have power. It's, we're a third branch of government, right? If you go back to your civics class, it's the executive branch, the governor, the legislature, when you vote for senators and assembly and judiciary, it's equal branches of government. And so many of our judicial officers, we have no idea. We go, I don't know, this one sounds like a cool name or a cool title. I will tell you right now that sometimes they know that that's how you vote. So they'll give themselves a cool title or a cool name. Um, and it's not necessarily people who, um, aligned with your personal values. So please do your homework. I feel like the free publicity for the governor or the senator is probably there and you don't need to do a lot of, you kind of know who you're going to go for. Um, With judges, take that time, figure out who um, people you um, value or or organizations that you value and see who they are endorsing because they've at least done some of the work because it is truly important. Yeah. And, and I'd love to kind of go into that a little deeper. Why is it important? Like how would, where does it, how does it play out when you have a judge that is not reflective of, of your values? Where is the, the uh, leverage that they, that judges have that might have consequences that you are against, that you are, you know, that don't align with your values? Like where, where well, does know, that come in? Ultimately as a judge, I still have to follow the law, right? I still have to look at who's before me, look at what happened apply the facts that I find to the law. So maybe I am going to do exactly what the old white guy next door to me is going to do. Um, but simply existing in this place, feeling like the guy walks in and at least sees somebody that looks like them, that gives them that chance to hear them, um, that makes a difference. And I think for our whole foundation of our system for this for it to work is we have to have trust and confidence in that system. And for so long, people who look like us didn't hold those positions. Um, for me, I, I'm constantly aware when I come into this building, when I take that bench, that this place wasn't necessarily built for someone that looks like me to take that seat. Um, so my simple existence here is that revolutionary part. But sometimes just me understanding that I get why you didn't um, get here at 830 because it's hard to take the bus because you, I, you know, the bus was late or whatever. Some judges don't have that um, sense of, well, I got here on time. Yeah, well, you were in your BMW with, you know, no right. um, <laughs> issues with, with your life. And sometimes just understanding 
the person and the surroundings and how they're growing up and how hard it is um, makes a key difference. And that's why I'm saying it, it. we do hold some power over what we're going to do. And sometimes just uh, using our personal um, experiences, our life experiences, our professional experiences does make a difference in how you approach the individual um, in front of you. Yeah, 100%. Thank you. I think that really, really kind of paints it out for folks that, yeah, you you want you want Judge Lucy to be the one presiding over your case because bringing that cultural awareness, that experience, that that empathy that may not be existing in who we traditionally have seen in roles like judge and including in media, et cetera. So yes, it matters, everybody, it matters. Um, And I think I just have one last question for you. We're beginning the new year here. What is your verdict for 2022? What kind of year are we going to have? Oh, my verdict, you know, if, if you hear my story, I'm a a constant optimist, right? I, there is no room for um, pessimism or I would not be here. I think I, I would not have survived my childhood. And and so for me, 2022 is absolutely not guilty. I have not seen a single shred of evidence that 2022 <laughs> has done us wrong yet. I think uh, my constant optimism is things are going to be better. Seguimos adelante, siempre adelante. We are always moving forward. Never give up. Um, let's have hope for this 2022. It, it's going to do us right. Yes, 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 yes. You all heard it here, everybody. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for joining us. This has been such a delightful conversation and you're welcome anytime. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, what a treat to get to oh talk to a real life judge. She's so... <laughs> inspiring totally completely and so down to earth like so down to earth so we're at the point of our podcast here where we like to close out with a our our fun questions basura matraca calma so ben uh what goes in la basura what are you done with what are you canceling could be big could be small what goes in la basura uh self-doubt goes in la basura because we don't know how much time we have on this earth like just choose joy and fun over resistance and doubt. I am so with you. I absolutely love that one. And then uh, what gets a matraca? What is something you are celebrating? Uh, just creativity and coming back to the work. So I we're obviously kind of like in, I don't know, part 27 of this miniseries <laughs> of the pandemic. And... <laughs> Well, I just got told that like, I'm not going to go back to teaching for another week. And I'm just like, you know what? Just we're going to add more writing hours and more editing hours. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, this probably sounds so weird, but sometimes I forget just like how much fun this ish is when you're not so wrapped up about what other people think, but you only care what you think. So the work, my own work, (laughs) the creative work gets a matraca. Yeah, matraca to the creative work. And then, like you mentioned, season 27 of the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how do you stay grounded? How do you just kind of like reconnect with yourself and get your calma? I go on really long walks. Like I'm talking like 10 or 12 mile walks. Um, and And sometimes I'll do it without my phone. So it'll just be me and my keys. And that really grounds me and just feels so good. I I love that. Is there like a particularly interesting route that you've done exploring Los Angeles? Um, I, I kind of do what feels good, but I will say I do. Ugh, I live in Jefferson Park, so my butt is always walking to like the outskirts of downtown LA on Fig and like Washington. And I often pass through the USC village and I just love it. Cause sometimes I'll like get a snack from Trader Joe's <laughs> and it's just the simple things in life, like eating a chicken pesto wrap that really make you realize like we have it all. 
It is great. Yeah, I love that. I mean, uh, people need to walk more in LA. There are so many little nooks and crannies that you don't see when you're just zooming by on the freeway. Go on a long walk, everybody. It is such a treat. Go to a new neighborhood. You know, I like to take the metro and going to go to a neighborhood that's not near me and just walking around and exploring. Oh my god, me too. My um, my boo and I went to uh, Olvera Street the last time we walked together and then walked home from Olvera Street. So it was like, I think six miles, but it was just nice to like take the train and then walk in a whole new area. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I gotta, I gotta give you some of my basuras, matracas and all of that. So first one, and you probably will agree with this basura. So I'm going to start with the basura and the basura goes to New York Mayor Eric Adams, who, um, Today was all over the internet on Twitter because he he made the mistake of saying that folks that are, you know, the, the essential workers basically that kept our economy going, you know, those dish the dishwashers, the folks that are front like frontline cooks, like all of those folks, frontline workers, he called them un, un he said that they that that work is unskilled labor. And, and that goes in la basura because People just have no appreciation for the skill that it takes to do these, quote unquote, unskilled labor roles that, you know, just because you didn't get a degree or whatever, people have no idea how much actual skill it takes to do some of these these really difficult and hard jobs. For example, I I will never work hard as hard again as the time that I worked at In-N-Out putting burgers together. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Folks have no idea how hard that job is. It's so, so hard. I would love to know what your most favorite part was about working at In-N-Out, if you had one, and what your least favorite part was. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, I had a great time working at In-N-Out, and I, I have never worked harder in my life. I loved, um, you know, they have a fantastic culture there where all these little 17 year olds like me were highly motivated to get on to get a raise because there's like different levels. And so you're like highly motivated, like I got to get to my level one, like level two. So I really like the way that they're structured that are it's like really motivating a lot of teamwork. So those are the things that I uh, really loved about working there. The, The thing that sucked the most is the level five level five is literally the assembly line of assembling the burgers and that shit is so hard um but what really sucked is that you would get that spread you know the 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 special sauce in your nails and like it was impossible to to wash away the smell (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i bet I would have accidentally, if I, if we were 17, I would have gotten high and accidentally eaten one of your fingers, I'm sure. Because <laughs> it's so delicious with all that spread. I love the, I love being able to get those, that burger and fry every day at work. Let me tell you, it was delicious. <laughs> oh my God. Well, but yeah, that's such, I mean, that is trash. To, I think it's just so subjective and complete BS and made up to talk about like labor is skilled and unskilled, especially in that manner. It's yeah. trash. Total sure. basura. And then my matraca goes to you. My matraca goes to you for being my guest co-host on this episode. Oh my god. Thank you so much. When I'm can celebrating I you. This matraca to arrive. Telepathically, I'm sending it right now. Ooh, there it I'll goes. Receive, receive. <laughs> and then my calma, I gotta do a special announcement for our listeners, folks. You, We've still got time for you to register for free for our intention setting workshop for the new year. So instead of setting resolutions, which often can bring undue pressure, we like to say it's important to think about setting intentions for how you want to show up and be in the new year in 2022. And we're going to show you how to do that, basically how to set these intentions. This is a free event. It's happening on January 18th at 5 p.m. Pacific. You can register for free on our website. And I will also put the link in our description for this episode so that you have it. And before we wrap up and before I leave you, have you given some thought on how you want to show up in 2022? I definitely have. I, I'm, my intention is to just prioritize myself. And if that means prioritizing my projects one week or prioritizing chilling one week, so be it. But like, I really am. My intention is to become more self-aware and follow my bliss and alignment. 
Oh, man. Follow my bliss. That is so beautiful. I love it. What a wonderful note to end this episode on. Everybody, follow your bliss. What about you? (laughs) Well, I want to... I think I like that. I really like this. I'm going to have to basically steal that. I want to follow my bliss. You know, I, I, I want to continue to show up strong and healthy in 2022. I want to... I want to work on being compassionate to others, also to others, but also to me, because I do feel that I often slip into that negative self-talk. I talk really badly about other people, that's for sure. So I got to curb that, but I also <laughs> talk badly about myself. So yeah, I think I'm going to stop the negative talk, no matter who it's directed to. <laughs> yeah. I well, I kind of have this thing where I'm like, I, like, sure, let's not talk bad about others, but it's more like, wow, the more kinder I am to myself, I realize that like the negative talk about others also just dissipates the more I like take care of me. That's a good tip. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take care of me, bring bliss to me, and that will <laughs> result in bliss for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being the first co-host of 2022 on the first episode. Thank you so much. I hope you have a fantastic year. And until the next time, everybody, ponte un sweater. (laughs) Thank you. So much fun. Bye, everyone. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.